Greetings, folks, and welcome to episode 106 of the Far Beyond Metal podcast. I'm your host and guide on this metal journey, Daniel Cordova. Like I alluded to in my last episode, I'm shaking things up on the show, so I'm kind of just putting out shows when I can, when I feel like, etc. This is one of those cases, as it'll just be me talking with a single guest, and it'll be a good time. Because on this episode, I'm welcoming back Manuel from Zeal and Ardor. If you are unfamiliar with the band Zeal and Ardor, they are a black metal band that includes elements of slave spirituals jazz soul blues on the latest album there's indie there's even a little surf rock and they basically have no rules for their sound manuel is the brains behind the operation he came on to talk about the new album mashups that he's been posting on instagram and twitter taking control back of the band uh as as he uh, outs himself as a bit of a control freak touring during covid candy one of my favorite things his chaotic slay at home fest which you can find a link to in this episode's description and a lot more so before we dive into my chat with manuel and well, here is some of Run from Zeal and Ardor's self-titled album. Good evening, hey, I think. Hey. Yeah, five o'clock. Yeah. Your solidarity on the whole image thing. Enjoy my beautiful backdrop of all the books my wife reads that I don't. <laughs> Appreciate the honesty. There's people with like vanity bookshelves and the yeah. No, they're they're all very it's real. Sense. It's uh just not my bag. All my music's on this side, but you know. Gotcha. <laughs> So how how are things, man? It's uh, I feel like it's been a minute since I've seen you talking to folks. Yeah, it's been a hot second. Uh, well, it's been fine. I mean, we were touring a lot. Then a little thing happened worldwide, which, uh, which was what? I'm not really alone in. Huh? What was that again? I don't I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and now I'm, now I'm back at it, yelling at people and making music again. Uh, what is the general vibe where you are? Because where remind me where in the world you are? I'm in Switzerland. That's right. Uh, um, it's all right. I think we just did. A little, I think we just decided everything's closed down again, like regarding clubs and um, just like social gatherings. Uh, but it'll be like a fluctuating thing. I think uh, in the summer months it'll be open again, and then come next cold season we'll be back in lockdown. I. Uh... <laughs> I saw you guys in the cold season on your tour with uh, Mastodon and Opeth in Oakland, which was fucking rad. Um, not blowing smoke up your ass, but I really do feel like you guys stole that show. Um, that was, that was a, a really fun one. Yeah, That was like an intense half hour to start off the evening with. And then, you know, I've seen Mastodon and Opeth a million billion times, but oh man. Uh, what was that, that whole tour like for you in this uh, uh, plague we're living in? It was bizarre because it was like the most um, relaxed tour that we've ever been on because, you know, they they know their shit. There's no like um, spontaneous. Oh, we forgot about this or that. Like, you know, they've. I mean, Opeth has been a band longer than a band member of ours has been alive. So <laughs> definitely, you know, uh, but the, regarding the, the whole plague thing, 
we isolated like you know uh, the the bands and uh, there was no like contact real contact with the general population so but even considering that it was cool that we that every show wasn't canceled it was odd but good it was one of those things where i i saw a handful of bands in that time and i was going out my mask and whatnot and then just slowly seeing like a show get canceled or a member not show up but you guys seem to have a consistent thing throughout as did the other bands um you said you were off the you know you weren't really interacting with the public so was it just like hiding the bus until showtime immediately back on the bus kind of thing or were you able to do any of your normal touring stuff whatever that it was be. pretty pretty Reduced the bus, I guess. But uh, we did go to, you know, cafes and eat out. Just, you know, be mindful of, you know, how we just did our best not to lick, like, bus stops and stuff. Uh, A normal tradition of but you guys, I, I right? do Exactly. Uh, but even considering that, I think we, we also had a lot of luck because um, anything could have gone wrong. So, yeah. And one thing that wasn't super advertised but eventually came out is that you seem to have a uh a special guest drummer along with you or is, is he yeah, part of the, the family now yeah uh well our drummer couldn't make it because uh for health reasons he can't get the vaccine at the moment um so like the u.s was not in not even possible for him uh visa wise and travel wise so uh, failing upward, we thought we'll just ask Anup Sastry if he has time, <laughs> and uh, yeah, luckily he did. And uh, turns out he's a really nice guy, and uh, cool. obviously a, a brilliant drummer. So it was good. Uh, one thing yeah. I, I noticed about your off the road time during all this is that you seem to have uh, lost your mind a, a little bit in a way that I feel like I have as well. Um, in that on Instagram and Twitter, you have started posting all these mashup things. Uh, I did one of those and I showed it to a friend of mine and he called it a cry for help. So are you okay? I'm definitely fine. I've been doing that even before, uh, before I had a, an, an excuse to be insane. So <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't consider it a cry for help, but maybe a cry for a hobby. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, your your slay at home set, including the thing that uh, initially started off by saying you never want to speak of it again. Uh, that was pretty cool. Um, that that Lincoln Park Dancing Queen thing, though. I, I I absolutely adored it, and like your set was very like funny. Can you know? I mean, Zealand Arter subject matter wise is a very intense thing. So for you to have your ten minute set be that was like very surprising. Did. What did Frank say when you turned that in? Uh, he, he thought it was funny. I think beyond that, he, <laughs> he didn't have too many words about it, which I can kind of understand. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, Frank is great. You you also write for Metal Injection, right? I no. do. I do their weekly injection. So every Friday, the new Metal Roundup, that's me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um I think, you know, there's enough like serious things going about. So right now, I don't think like people need, you know, much more serious uh, matters. I mean, it, of course, there are there are serious matters happening. But if you can bring some levity into, into the world, that's not a bad thing at the moment, I think. Uh, part of that set also yeah. was you did some brief acoustic-ish renditions of your songs. Is that uh, an avenue you travel down further? Because I feel like those... 
those snippets really worked. Uh, I haven't really considered it. That was more because I wasn't prepared and I'm a lazy person, but <laughs> uh, I might do that one day, like when I have, when I'm really starved for ideas and uh, <laughs> it's basically the same songs and you do it differently. It's very, very high yield for not a lot, a lot of work. So <laughs> sounds like right up my alley, right up my alley, basically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing that did seem like a lot of work was you did a stream show sort of thing at uh, the museum. I'm going to slaughter this. Tingule? Tingule? Yeah. Uh, Tingule, yeah. What was the significance of that that museum and that exhibit that you guys performed in? Well, uh, the, the room is actually called uh, Tingule, the Mengele Totentanz, which is uh, like Joseph Mengele's family had like a basically they made farm equipment in Switzerland before he did his old terrible thing. And there was like a, um, a fire in, in a barn and uh, a lot of like wreckage of old farm equipment was in there. And out of the mangled guts of that, Danguli made this weird um, kinetic moving sculpture thing. And uh, that's all the force significance I pull out my ass. It's just a cool room, and I wanted to do a set there. Cool. <laughs> yeah. And in that, you um, guys. The sad oh. thing about that is. Hmm? Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. No, we we actually recorded that in in February, and we were like of the mind that we could release it immediately. Turns out, uh, the museum director kind of lied to us and said when he said that he has a right to everything. So we had to clear every, every use of uh, every shot showing any, any piece of the art. And it took six months till we could release the thing. So wow, that was a little dumb. So uh, expecting a home video release of that seems a little unlikely with that in mind. Uh, I mean, now that we're in, in, you know, in dialogue with everyone, I think it will be possible, but, uh, it would certainly take time. <laughs> yeah. And uh, at that show, you guys played uh, Wake of a Nation in full, um, which, of course, was released during all the, the, the pandemic and stuff, but is also about, like, you know, uh, the struggle that black people were facing with cops and just historically and stuff like that. Um, how How is that resonating in Switzerland? And just, like, I, I mean, it's worldwide, of course, but, like, was it cathartic putting it out like that way? Um, I know you played one song from it on the Macedon tour. How's the, how's all that been, I guess, for lack of a better, more journalistic question. Uh, <laughs> it's been okay. I think, uh, you know, all eyes are in the U S at the moment. So people here also kind of at least, um, commiserate to a certain degree, but I think, yeah, people here are appreciated for the music itself, but, uh, yeah, we pretty much released that thing just for ourselves rather than for, for anyone else. And uh, that's why we didn't do like press for it or didn't, you know, release it on, on a proper label. Just kind of wanted to get it out. So that's what we did. And the, the lyrical content of that you've already said is, you know, pretty much in your face. It's right there versus Zealand art or stuff being a little more nuanced. When you started shifting towards the new album stuff, did part of you want to work more of that in like a more of a social commentary into the new album or is it just like, okay, that was that back to the normalcy of the band? 
Um, I think I've always had like uh, trails of it somewhere, but I think I do prefer being more uh, obscure with things. And, you know, I like having it there if people are looking for it. And uh, I just have a hard time being like, yeah, in your face with, with so many things. But it, it turns out that sometimes in your face is kind of necessary. Like reading our comments for Wake of a Nation, people were like, oh, fuck, no, they're, they're, they jumped on the bandwagon of, uh, of black activism. Like, what, what band have you been listening to <laughs> for the last couple of albums? So that taught me the lesson of, you know, you got to be pretty literal for sometimes for some people. The the fact yeah. that people didn't get that from Jump from from your band is very interesting to me because you're right they're not even are they listening to it? That's what I mean. <laughs> but uh, I kind of prefer the the you know leaving that in the ballpark of the listener. So one day they're like uh, you know actually look at the lyrics and like oh fuck this is actually this and I think that that's way more impactful than like the preachiness of me yelling at people about this and then that's bad because of this and yeah sure exactly uh if i'm asking you a a kind of cliche question why now for a, a self-titled record and song considering it's the third album a lot of bands will do that you know iron maiden black sabbath first song or first album at least etc well to give you a cliche answer oh, yes. <laughs> i think as a as a band, we kind of arrived at where we wanted, where we kind of how we want to sound like, and it feels like we we found a home, which is basically every band talk about every album ever. I'm aware of that, but um, for us, it really kind of is that. It feels more cohesive and still experimental, but it's uh, just not as obtuse, I guess, not as cumbersome as my last efforts. And perhaps I didn't have a better name to fall back <laughs> on. So here we are. <laughs> I love that transparency from you. The fact that you were lazy and like, you're like, I uh, can't think of another name. Uh, I appreciate that honesty. Um, one thing that you've said over the years is that you think the hype is going to die around this band. And uh, I, I haven't seen it dying down yet. Do you still think that? Or are you, are you in like a denial about that, I guess? Maybe, I'm not sure, but um, like considering how far we've come and, you know, the things we've we've been allowed to do, if it were to like come crashing down right now and it was that that was it, we'd still be super happy about it. So um, I think it's just a healthy mindset not to, to surf in confidence and of this appreciation because everything fades and music is basically a popularity contest and no one's popular forever. Well, one thing that music uh, business, not music of itself. Course. Sorry. Uh, one thing uh, Michael said when I saw you guys in Oakland uh, is that last time they played the Fox, uh, the person that opened that tour was person. The band was ghost uh, and look at them now. So, I mean, history speaks for itself. You guys are the next ghost. You just got to get flashy costumes. Yes. Ghost two confirmed. <laughs> we are. <laughs> Uh, when, when we spoke in 2019, you were, it was, I think, just on the heels of Live in London. Oh, you've been on my podcast before. Sorry if you don't remember. It's fine. Uh, a lot of people don't. Um, you were saying that Zealand Ardor had become more of a band band than simply your your project. With distancing and lockdowns and all that shit, was that still the case with the new record? Or did it become you again? Pretty much became 
and me again. Because uh, uh, apart from me being a, contr- a control freak, it kind of helped that, um, you know, I, I had ideas and I could lay it down on a demo and just play it and not explain to, to the bass player, okay, so this part goes like this and then he plays it and then I have to go, well, actually I'm in it like this. And it's just uh, one step less, but I think I would be open to a more co- collaborative effort, even creatively for the next record. But uh, for that, this record must um, sustain itself. So let's, let's take it step by step, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned a bass player. How was how Mia? Because uh, I know she had sort of retired from the road and uh, clearly wasn't with you guys on this last tour and stuff. How is she doing? Uh, she's fine. Better, at least. Um, she's still... You know, she doesn't have energy because her body can't, you know, uh, take up nutrients that well. So while it will be possible for her to be on tour or to come on tour, there's a high risk of that, like making her regress immediately or even worse. So we're very, very tentative and uh, she she would be uh, welcome back with open arms, obviously, but her health is just more important than this silly project of mine. Right. Yeah. Uh, coming back to said silly project, uh, you've never been a stranger to like mixing harsh music with kind of other genres. And the new record has a couple really surprising moments, even for you, that I was surprised by, I guess. Um, one of which is the song Immersion, which is a weird blend of black metal and sort of indie pop. How did that song come to be? Um, I was thinking of elements that I would like to incorporate and... Uh there's this like YouTube channel with like, you know, lo-fi beats to study and relax to, which is like the most furthest distance from like harsh, aggressive black metal. And I thought in some way incorporating that would be very interesting. And uh, also there's like no really emotionally like a uplifting track on the album, except for that one, I think. And it was kind of important to me to have like a little bit of a not so downer moment on on the, on the record. <laughs> not so downer moment. <laughs> wow, I'm doing great with words today. <laughs> There's your album title. Is it too late yeah. to change it? Not so downer moments. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, another one of those moments on this one, and uh, you mentioned like the one not so downer moment. So now I'm wondering if I misread this track. But on I think it's JMB. There's like oh, right. a, yeah. almost surf rock. <laughs> yeah uh jmv that that record uh that song the working title was jazz metal baby <laughs> and, oh, <shit>. um, <laughs> uh yeah i i was trying to incorporate like you know like my major seven chords and major nines and stuff uh and just nine chords and it it ended up sounding like that for better or for worse and i thought it was just a I mean, I, I look at music like, you know, flavors of candy, and it was just one more flavor I could offer on it. So that's why I put it on. What's your favorite candy? I like lemon drops, I think. Lemon drops? But I mean, like candy, candy. I'm not, I prefer like salty or savory sure. things, but yeah. Uh, What's yours? Reese's Pieces. Do you have a go-to? Absolutely. I'm a, uh, I'm a peanut butter man. Dang. All right, all right. We don't have those here. It's uh, 
when it's I, a tra- tragedy. I went on my honeymoon and we stopped in London and we were, I think, Camden and they had a Camden, whatever. And they had an American store and they had an entire wall of Reese's products. And I was so excited. And my wife had to remind me, you live in California. They have that shit at home. Why are you so excited? I was like, I don't know. It's here. I haven't seen it anywhere else. Do you have an American store near you where you can get your peanut butter fix? Uh, there's like an American sex section in our, our supermarkets here too, but all they have is just peanut butter straight. Uh, and, uh, like, uh, fuck, how are you going? Um, maple syrup, just, just the sad, boring stuff. I'll come back to music stuff eventually, but now I'm fascinated by the fact that <laughs> yeah. peanut butter has been relegated to American. Is peanut butter not a, a, a consistent thing where you are? Is it not in no, Europe? Not really. dumb about it? <laughs> no, there's something vaguely, like oddly exotic about it, which I know is really weird for American people, but yeah, we're, we're weird mountain folk. We're basically like the dwarves from the Lord of the Rings, good at drilling, hiding money, keep to ourselves. That's Switzerland. Now, I've, yeah. I'm not the biggest Lord of the Rings fan, but I've seen all the films. I don't recall drilling. Are you, speci- are you particularly great at drilling? <laughs> well, we drill through mountains and stuff, and we have enough bunkers to hide the whole populace, plus 10% more. It's, a, huh. it's an odd country. <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and you reside there simply for the, the bunker safety and... Uh, that security because that sounds obviously yeah yeah just gotta go bunking (laughs) sometimes (laughs) uh so i I will start to wind down i could talk about peanut butter and bunkers all day apparently um but uh one of the shows that you guys have coming up this summer when things will probably be happening to some degree again is you're playing the mad cool festival in spain and particularly on the day you're playing is a, a very wild bunch of people, but I feel like that might be par for the course for you. You've got Phoebe Bridgers, Heim, and Muse on that day. Is that yeah. maybe the weirdest day of a festival you've played, or can you think of one that might top that? Uh, well, festivals in Europe that we play, is it's always like that, because they put us in with the I don't know bunch, and uh, we really enjoy playing before like, an eclectic crowd who's like into something else we played in front you know radiohead were on the stage we played which was a huge honor and also like a, a bold decision on the on the festival's part uh idols and just uh, odd stuff like a, a band called let's eat grandma i've heard of let's eat grandma <laughs> which is yeah they were produced by sophie like the the late um hyper pop producer um, so we're kind of used to that and actually we, we kind of love it because then you get to convince an audience that you get like honest feedback like they, they, they don't have heard of you so if you suck they'll let you know if they like you you'll notice too so a great like little reality check I feel like American festivals dabbled with that maybe like 10 years ago like Mastodon was playing Outside Lands and BT Bam played I think Bonnaroo and Opeth did as well and then that doesn't happen as much, but I feel like you guys would be the cool one to play Coachella or something like that uh, here, but I think you wind up at Aftershock, for example, or something. But, I mean, we'd be open to both, <laughs> but uh, honestly, like we were so starved for, for playing live, we, we'd probably also open for whoever. For, I, don't, I don't really don't really care. <laughs> so, yeah, we love it, though. Uh, who would be like a dream person for you guys to open for? 
Bjork would be sick. Bjork would be sick. Uh, Bjork would be insane. Uh, anything with Mike Patton in it would be nice. Um, hmm. I think Faith and War is supposed to play I, that day, but I know Mike's been going through some shit. Yeah, I've heard that too for a guy. But um, yeah, anything like that. Or maybe like like a straight pop act and see how that that would be a shit show. <laughs> Opening for a fucking Coldplay or something. Oh, my mind went like Carly Rae <laughs> Jepsen. Like when you said pop act, I went harder pop, I guess. Oh, yes. Yes, that would be fucking rad. <laughs> I should say Carly Rae shows are a lot of fun. So that would be a fun crowd anyway. They're very The crowds are very that, nice at those shows. That doesn't surprise me at all i think i'd be down to to see one of those shows too yeah all right man i we were allotted a lot more time than i really needed uh so i I don't know if you get some (laughs) relaxing time before your next chat but uh it's been great talking to you i absolutely love the the record and like i i don't i feel like you saw somebody responded to this i don't know if it's you on the instagram but immediately after seeing you guys in oakland i'm like all right cool it's Bandcamp friday i'm getting the new record so I pre-ordered it. I'm very, very excited for it. So uh, congrats on another great record. I hope to see you guys in the general vicinity soon and stay healthy and all this stuff you say at the end of these calls. Thanks, man. Uh, enjoy your morning, late morning. Uh, looking at 8.30 right now. So second cup of coffee is around the bend, and I guess I'll go back to work, quote unquote. Oh, dang. Well, enjoy your day in that case. Thanks. I hope to see you soon in, in the flesh. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, later, dude. <laughs> Bye. That was a bit of Golden Liar from Zealand Ardor's self-titled album, which will be out on February 11th via MKVA Records. You can order your copy at zealandarder.com or do as I did, zealandarder.bandcamp.com. And then you can keep up with this show at farbeyondmetalpodcast.com. And of course, the theme song is Far Beyond Metal by the band Strapping Young Lad from their album The New Black, courtesy of Century Meter Records and Devin Townsend himself. Thank you for listening. A Catbox Production.